Welcome to Career Tipper Podcast, hosted by Michelle Beatty. The Career Tipper Podcast is a motivational resource that shares career and entrepreneurial tips by industry experts that will help amazing people evolve to their professional best. And now your host, Michelle Beatty. Episode 28 of the Career Tipper Podcast features Sable B. Returning for this second interview of our three-part series connected to our course, Her Career by Intent. Sable B is the founder of the professional development organization, Real Brown Girls. Through a collaborative and supportive community, Real Brown Girls helps women who trust and believe greatness is in their reach as long as they're willing to put in the work. Over 35,000 women and girls of color are a part of the online community. Sable is a former high school educator that one day realized that she could build a community outside of her classroom. She left the world of teaching and began conducting career readiness-focused workshops. Currently, she's a nonprofit program director. Sable has had many career-pathing takeaways from her sold-out networking events and workshops. We're going to continue our conversation from last week and discuss the second focus of the Her Career by Intent series, Career Change Now or Later. I'm your host, Michelle Beatty, professional development author and coach. Sable, welcome back to the Career Tipper podcast. Hi, how are you? I am good, and I am excited about this second interview. Yes, yes, let's get started. I'm excited, too. Last week, we kicked off the Her Career by Intent conversation with Career Pathing. We chatted about determining the right industry and position for a novice or a seasoned professional. It only seems natural to transition the conversations to determine a few factors to consider when choosing to make a career change now or later. Sable, from your perspective, what is the baseline of review for making that decision? I think that when it comes to career transitions and deciding whether you move now or you move a little later, when it comes to baseline, I think it depends on what that change, like take into consideration what is a requirement for that change. So that baseline review should be based on the baseline requirements for the change you're considering. So depending on the field, you might need a certification. Is there a certain amount or certain type of education they're looking for? Is it more about experience with a particular program? Um, Assessing where you are. Do you have any connections in your network to where you're trying to make that change? So I think like before someone makes any moves, those would be the few questions to ask yourself. Am I missing education? Do I need a certification? Is this about experience over education? Like, do I even need to go back to school for something? Where am I now based on, you know, the general requirements that they ask for for this particular position or what have you? And do I know anyone that can connect me to to that change? Love it. Now let's chat about how experiencing one's definition of quality of life versus position attained should be a factor in determining a career move now or later. Because that, I think that is truly the foundation that we all need to determine when we are navigating our career path of whether we make a move now or later. 
I think that you're right. It's, it should be a huge part of the conversation that's happening, be it in, internal or external. I think that first someone has to create their own definition of quality of life. We have a general working definition as a society, but like I said in our first episode, you know, one size does not fit all. So it's like, how do you define quality of life? What are you looking for? Um, you know, be it finances, be it vacation, be it just what are you looking for? What is it that you need to feel like you're having a, you know, that quality of life experience? And kind of vetting that against the change you're considering. So if you're someone that wants greater flexibility, it might not behoove you to make a change into an industry or to an organization or company that doesn't give flexibility at all, or it's extremely hard to come by. So I think it's important to really sit down and figure out what are your needs, what are your must-haves, what are your non-negotiables, and vetting that against the changes that you're considering. Because if your current non-negotiables are juxtaposed to the career or the industry or company slash organization that you're considering, that might be a situation where you change later. But if your must-haves and your non-negotiables are directly in line with, let's say, company culture or organizational culture or industry culture, then it might not be a scenario where you have to wait till later. It might be a scenario where you can make that move now. I understand. And I agree with you with that one. Now we both know that doubt can be a dream killer. How can doubt mask itself as stagnancy or complacency when determining to make a career move now or later? I think that when people have doubt, there's this underlying or subconscious feeling of fear. So it's really trying to sit down and determining if you're afraid of something or not. Like what's holding you back? What's making you play hopscotch with, with making a move? Figuring out what that specifically is. And then once you figure out what that is, I think it's fair to ask yourself and even to ask people who are in your personal like advisory board, be it mentors, friends, colleagues, or what have you, you know, like, all right, I realize that I'm afraid of X, Y, Z to figure out, are these fears rational or irrational? Because sometimes we're afraid of something that it's just, it's natural. Someone understand, like, you know, folks will understand you, but it's really, it's like, all right, you can do that though. Like I get why you're afraid, but there's no reason to be afraid. Um, and then there are things that we are fearful of. And I'd say, you know what? I 100% understand. And if I were in your shoes, I'd probably be afraid too. So kind of figuring out, is it rational? Is it irrational? And from that, making a plan to work through it. It's not that successful people are fearless. It's that they're courageous. So it's being able to acknowledge that doubt, acknowledge that fear, acknowledge if it's rational or not, and then making a plan to work through it. You're not going to get over it necessarily, but you don't allow that doubt to, to keep you stagnant. You don't allow that doubt to, to keep you stuck. What are a couple of career cycles beyond wanting a pay increase or promotion that can impact the needs to determine a career change <sighs> or later? I think outside of pay increase or promotion, 
we folks should consider the idea of growth and exploration. You can have a growth cycle and an exploration cycle that's not necessarily tied to a pay increase or promotion. So maybe it's wanting greater responsibility at work. Depending on you know the department that you're in, greater responsibility is relative. So what might be greater responsibility in company A might not be considered greater responsibility in company B, but really defining what that looks like for the current situation. I think another thing to to focus on when it comes to a career cycle is sometimes you're not going to get paid more for this and it's not necessarily going to result in promotion, but it's going to add a new skill to your skill set. And that skill is something that would behoove you to have in the future when it's time for that pay increase, when it's time for that promotion. So I'll just give you an example. Um, I'm in the nonprofit world. And something that nonprofits, need, well, everyone needs it, but definitely in the nonprofit world, is funding. Funding's the big word. We call it development, but funding's the big word. It would behoove you, if you want to get to the top level in the nonprofit world, you have to have background with funding and development. So you could get that skill set and hone those skills without the pay increase, without officially being considered director of development or what have you. But you're exploring that skill set, you're growing with that, and then once you possess that, then you can take it to the next level later. So I think sometimes it's important for people to focus on skill set and the opportunity to explore a new skill set and, you know, practice makes perfect with the current skill set, then to focus on a couple of extra dollars or a title change. Simplistic just keeping it all into perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, what type of professional opportunities should they pursue in the interim when they decide to make their career change later? I'm going to scream this, but not really. (laughs) But let's pretend pretend you were reading and then like the font got bigger. It's bold. It's italicized. It's underlined. It's in a new color. Volunteering. And this doesn't necessarily mean at your soup kitchen or, you know, on Thanksgiving, the holidays. Volunteering has the ability to provide those skill sets that I was just mentioning without the risk factor that comes with trying to learn something new at your nine to five. Volunteering allows you to explore an interest. Remember, I talked about interest on the first episode. It allows you to explore an interest to figure out if you want to commit to it. So I think volunteering is important. And unlike what we see with television, like I said, you know, you hear volunteering, people picture holidays, they picture toy drives and all that good stuff. But you can volunteer in corporate settings. A lot of corporations have a foundation umbrella and there's lots of there's lots of things that go behind volunteering so let's let's just picture a toy drive for example someone's coordinating the budget someone's coordinating the schedule someone's managing the volunteers someone's you know connecting with the venues and getting the sponsorship and securing the dollars those are all different skills that you can get from volunteering so i think that volunteering is is an amazing way 
to figure out some things about yourself, about your interests, about your committed and about your, you know, what you might be willing to commit to and to exploring and strengthening that skill set. You can volunteer in so many different spaces, higher education, medicine, the nonprofit world. I mean, the legal world, you name it, you can volunteer. In addition to professional organizations as well. Exactly. For your industry. Definitely those and two. So when one decides to change their career now, like it's, they have to do it now. What are a few things that one should keep in mind when preparing for a career transition? Cause it's beyond just <laughs> So what does that look like? Is it a crescendo? Is there some pre-work they need to do? Or do you feel like it's all a matter of fact, preparing for that, the entrepreneur or the next business role that they're going to be in? I think that it depends on the person and, and where they are, but ideally your network is primed and ready and prepped and they've been nurtured for a long time. So you don't have to go and nurture them. That said, I guess the pre-work could potentially be nurturing your network. You know, when you're preparing for the career transition, whether it's going from nine to five to entrepreneur, whether it's going from one company to another organization, one department to another within a company or organization, I think that we have to remember that opportunities are always connected to people. So at all times, you should be nurturing your network. So I think if there was something that you had to prepare, it would be having those conversations with your network regarding this transition that you're considering, you're looking into. Because, you know, in a company or a major corporation, going from department to department, it's going from one department's HR to another department's HR, and managers have to sign off. That comes with conversation conversations that's attached to a person who's attached to your potential opportunity. So if you haven't been nurturing your network, the pre-work to me would be nurturing your network. If you've been nurturing them, it would be, all right, it's time to have these conversations and make sure you're having these conversations in an appropriate timeline for whatever transition you're considering. Now, what if they're transitioning to be with another company how should that look in regards to letters of reference? Well, not letters of reference, but how should that look in regards to recommendations? I think I'm always be getting recommendations. You know, there's always, there's, you know, generally speaking, folks will ask for numbers eventually at some point in the interview cycle, they're asking for three numbers or, you know, three contact infos, what have you. But even still, I always like, and it might be the teacher and me, hardcore letters of recommendation that I can keep on file for future use. Not that you're going to necessarily give them to the new company, but just to have on file when a project, especially if you work in project-based things where the project wraps up and then a team disperses and then you're on to the next team, definitely, definitely like get those letters, have them on file, have those conversations, ask those people, like, can I use you as a reference? Earlier for, you know, may I stay in contact with you? You might not want to say reference depending on how the company feels with folks leaving and the, the culture that's there. But making sure you can, you're saying that you want to keep in contact with them. Getting their outside email and phone number 
folks are mobile now. Like we said before, like they're not staying at the same company for 30 years. So don't rely on their work email address. You ask for that personal email address, that personal phone number. So when you do need them in the future, you can actually get to them, especially if they're not on LinkedIn. Some people are, some people aren't. So I think when it comes to like leaving one company to another, it's making sure you have all your ducks in a row at your current company, <clears throat> making sure you're leaving things in a good space in your current company because people do talk and you just these days, six degrees of separation is like negative three, especially with social media. So making sure you're leaving your current place in a good space and paying attention to the hiring cycle of where you're going. So it's like, you might know that you're interested in this company. Things might be, you know, you're seeing positions that you're interested in. You're talking to your network like, hey, can you plug me in? But don't tell company A you're leaving if you didn't get the offer letter and didn't finish negotiations with company B. So it's being really strategic about your timeline and the hiring cycle. I would say, well, and being ready for the career change now or later, being current and relevant is a must with your skills, with your qualifications, um, soft skills and technical skills. So what is your perspective of accountability to to self when deciding to pursue or up level up level training for your skills what does that look like soft and technical i always say if your company or current organization doesn't provide professional development for you or what you personally deem as adequate professional development seek it out on your own because at the end of the day when you are going to the next opportunity, no one's going to ask you, did your previous employer provide professional development? Like, is that why you're lacking those skills, Sable? Like, no one's going to ask you that. So at the end of the day, the onus is on you. So if you're a company or, or like, if you're one of those good setups where you don't need to look elsewhere for professional development because it's constantly being offered and it's good and you're learning and you're growing, then God bless you are lucky. But if you are one of those people where it's not up to par for your standards or it's just not hitting your needs, then definitely, definitely seek it out on your own. And there's so many resources online. You can do that without feeling like my company should be paying for this. So I say that to say like you can do it without feeling like you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do so on your own. Very true. Self-discipline. Self-discipline is a key factor when determining your commitment to creating a career by intent and choosing to prepare for a career change. From your experience, table, what is a solid self-discipline strategy that you've seen practice? If someone listening is an artist, they're going to roll their eyes, and I understand, but I still say routine, routine, routine. Human beings still learn and retain new information and new habits by way of repetition. So the same way when you have a little baby and you are singing the ABC song over and over and over and over and over again, eventually they start singing along with you, singing along with you. They mess up in a couple parts but they've heard it over and over again and you're still singing it. And then one day they don't need you to sing it. They know it on their own. It's the same thing with self-discipline. 
you have to develop a routine and you have to be accountable to yourself and remind yourself, like, I have to do this over and over to actually make it a habit, to actually retain the information. It's by way of repetition. So if someone's, if someone is saying like, oh, I want to wake up earlier, then you're going to have to try for a, a nice chunk of time to set that alarm and just get up. It's not going to happen every day, but one day you're going to realize, oh, I'm waking up at six o'clock in the morning. Like I could not do that before, but now I can't because I've been forcing myself to do it over and over and over. So I think when it comes to self-discipline being a strategy, it's really reminding yourself that it's going to take some time, but if I'm consistent with it, I can turn this into a habit. High five. High five and you back. I literally like lifted up my hands. (laughs) You're not here. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So hindsight often delivers 2020 reflection. We both know that. So from your, I mean, it's just like part of like maturing in life, but from your personal professional experience, when have you had determined to make a career move now or later? For career moves that I've made, it was largely based on feeling whether I felt unhappy, whether I felt underpaid, whether I felt undertrained, whether I wanted more than my current situation could potentially offer me. Those things tended to have led to a pivot for me. And I always work with the end goal in mind. Now, I'll be honest, my end goal has changed. But whatever my current end goal is, that's how I'm navigating, you know, am I moving now or am I moving later? Am I being rational about this or am I being irrational about this? What is it that I want to achieve? Can I do that here? Even if some changes were made, is that feasible? Is that likely? okay, then let's make those changes. If not, then I need to go somewhere. Okay, well, if I need to go somewhere, let's figure out what that looks like and what that sounds like and how I'm going to get from A to Z. Feelings can be self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. So I love, the, I love that explanation. Now, Sable, I appreciate you returning to chat about her career by intent on the Career Tipper podcast. And I look forward to you continuing this professional development chat next week as we talk about creating your promotion. Before yes. You, yes, I know. It's going to be so good. So before you sign off, please share a quote or affirmation that will keep the listeners thinking about the next level of creating their career by intent. I started saying this recently. I should probably Google this to see if this is original or not. It's really hard to be original these days, so I have no idea. But in the last couple of weeks, I have found myself saying, my goals are waiting on me. Hey, now. I know, right? It sounds good. I hope it's original. (laughs) (laughs) Need to look this up. They're waiting on you to show up. I know. Like, they literally, they're waiting on you. We write them down. We have vision boards, and they're there, and they're pretty, and nothing's happening because we aren't moving. So it's like reminding yourself that your goals are waiting on you. 
get to move and get that action. Yes. So awesome. So please share how the listeners can get in touch with you and sign up for the course (laughs) for career by intent. So if you are ready to, you know, design the career of your dreams, you can sign up for Her Career by Intent by going to realbrowngirls.teachable.com. It's the first course you will see listed. If you like me and you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at realbrowngirls.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at realbrowngirls. Fantastic. And you can find me, Michelle Beatty, at careertipper.com and on Instagram and Facebook at careertipper and on Twitter at careertipper1. If you enjoyed today's episode and listening to other episodes for the Career Tipper podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, be confidently you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Career Tipper podcast. We're grateful for our listeners and guests. For more resources about how to evolve to your professional best, share your comments and feedback about this episode and your suggestions for future guests, visit careertipper.com. Until next time, be confidently you.